to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I'm broadcasting as always from WOUF Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Happy New Year to everybody! I know we are all very excited for 2020 to come to an end and ring in the new year for 2021. So again, happy new year to you guys. Please be safe out there. Uh, be, be, be very safe. Of course, there's always those options for if you guys have had too many drinks. There are free services, free taxi and Uber services and things like that. So please be safe and look out for each other this New Year's and make some smart decisions. Uh, but moving on from that, I'm also really excited because, hey, we've reached 10 episodes. Yeah, double digits. Awesome. Awesome. It's flown by. I'm having a great time doing it. I really am. I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying this podcast and, and being able to connect with you guys and give you some great information. I hope you're enjoying it too. You get something out of, the, out of the content. Maybe you can take some of this advice, apply it to your dog at home. And I just think that's fantastic. And you know, my goal really here is to get as much content to you guys as possible. We've got some things in the works. We're going to be getting a newsletter going soon. So be sure you check out, uh, keep an eye out for that. We're also hopefully going to get some more video going, maybe get some, uh, guest interview videos going, maybe get a YouTube channel up soon. Uh, so keep an ear to the ground. You know what? You can uh, subscribe to social media, Instagram. You can find me there, Speak a Dog Cast. I'll keep you updated there as well as on Facebook, Speak a Dog Cast. And of course, our website, speakadogcast.com. If you guys haven't already clicked that subscribe button, be sure you go ahead and do so. Leave me a rating, leave me a review. I want to hear more about what you're thinking about the show. And speaking of the show, we have a great one lined up today. Our first segment is going to be uh, a building a good relationship with your dog. Yes, building a relationship with your dog. That's where we start our training foundation, and we're going to go more into depth on what that takes. Then we're going to have our guest spot, and our guest spot today is Samantha Padula. So happy to have Sam on the show. Uh, she's a good friend of mine, you know, and interestingly enough, Sam started off as a client. We ended up becoming friends from that, and then she interned with me for a little while. So I'm really excited for her to share her perspective with you guys today on training and her experience with her dog, Gabby, and it's going to be a good one. Then after that, we're going to have our Breed of the Week, and of course, we're going to finish things off with our listener Q&A. But before we get started today, ah, like I said last week, we're starting that new trivia question of the day. So I'm going to go ahead, give you that trivia question now, and then later on somewhere in the episode... I'll give you the answer. So here's today's trivia question. What is the largest breed of dog? Yes, what's the largest breed of dog? And again, that answer will be coming up in just a little while. So sit, stick around, and enjoy today's podcast. Speak a Dogcast, it's all about building a relationship with your dog. Without a doubt, having a solid relationship with your dog, or for that matter, any animal you're working with, is vital to having success with your training. A good relationship, it can equal trust and build confidence. But a relationship, it's all about balance. You know, when you think about it, every animal on this planet, we really, we, we all want one thing. Stability, right? And we create stability through balance. So that means that in order to create a solid relationship with your dog or with your puppy, you have to provide a balanced set of rules and boundaries. That's actually where it begins. Most people are probably thinking, seriously, rules, boundaries, that's, that's where it starts. Yes, actually, that is where it starts. You know, think about when you're in school and you're a little kid on the first day of class. Are your teachers really, really nice to you? Or are teachers known for being pretty strict the first not only day, but maybe month of school? They are. There's a reason for that. They have to set the parameters and boundaries right off the bat. Because if they allow too much, if they allow too much uh, crazy behavior or anything like that, well, it makes it a lot harder to reel it in when you want your kids to start behaving in school. So teachers are known for being strict for the first month or first few weeks for a reason, right? It's because you have to set those parameters first. And it's no different whether you have a puppy or a new rescue dog. It's very important that you set those boundaries and parameters uh, to begin with in a very black and white way that they can understand. So, yes, it starts with rules and boundaries. Now, that's not to say you don't want to be affectionate to your dog. Not at all. That's not what I'm saying. But rules and boundaries, people think of rules and boundaries only as being punishment. But to me, rules and boundaries are just just that. They're, they're a boundary on the line of behavior and and. 
we use reinforcement and punishment to create good or desired, excuse me, create desired behavior. So we're using that boundary to reinforce behavior, believe it or not. Yes. So rules and boundaries is where it starts. So let's start talking about how we do that, right? How do you create the good relationship with your dog? And like I said, whether you have a puppy or a new rescue, maybe that's a little bit older, it's important that we we kind of start in the same way here. So the first and easiest thing to, to understand with a new dog, it's probably the most obvious, and that's spend time with your dog, right? They need to get to know you. That is a very important part about building that relationship. They need to get to know you, get familiar with your scent, feel comfortable with you. So spending time with them is important, especially if you work an eight-hour day, right? You got to be able to wake up a little bit early, make sure you're getting that extra quality time in with your new dog. But I want you to make the most out of that time, right? It's not just about hanging out on the couch and watching TV. There's other things that go into it. Playtime. Playtime is very, very important with a dog. Uh, any predator, for that matter. Playtime is an important, especially for a puppy, important part of growing up, important part of their development. It can help build confidence. It can help bond uh, the two of you guys, you know, your dog and you. So playtime is important, but believe it or not, there is structure that needs to happen when it comes to playtime rules, boundaries. Uh, so you have to do things like uh, teach commands, right? To me, when I'm doing playtime, I like to teach dogs a leave it, drop it, and stay command. I like to incorporate those three a lot into my playtime. Now, leave it means leave it alone, right? It, the dog hasn't gotten it in their mouth yet. Leave it can be a command we can use for a wide variety of things. Okay, so like uh, I want a dog to leave a piece of food on the ground, leave it. We're out on a walk and it sees a squirrel, leave it. Uh, I don't want it to say hi to this person we're approaching. Leave it, <laughs> okay? But it can also be used with a toy. I like to teach a dog to leave it. Now, why would I want to teach a dog to leave a toy alone, David? It's playtime. Well, one thing is a safety thing, a safety factor, right? Look, my uh, my nieces and nephews, when they were really little, they loved when they still love playing with my dogs. Uh, but when they were really little... It was a cute, fun memory of my nephew running around with a tennis ball and going, Colby, leave it, and <laughs> telling my golden retriever to leave it. And my golden would leave the tennis ball alone. Now, keep in mind, my nephew was like four years old. Where's his height? He's right at mouth height of the dog. Okay. So it's really important that my dog knows to leave a toy alone when it's in a person's hand. It's a safety thing, right? I don't want him taking the child's hand or face off accidentally, just trying to go for a toy. So rules and boundaries, even in playtime, guys, very important. Very, very, very important. So I can teach him a leave it command. Okay, Drop it. Well, let's say I want to teach my dog a fetch. That's where drop it comes in handy. Uh, the other, That's for playtime. Of course, a drop it comes in handy if your dog gets a hold of something you don't want them. That's maybe not safe for them to have in their mouth. Drop it command is great for that. But for playtime, hey, drop the tennis ball so I can throw it for you again, right? Uh, and then, of course, the stay command. Something fun I like to do. I'll tell my dog to sit, stay. I'll throw the tennis ball and tell them leave it. And they have to stay with me, right? Then I'll release them and they go running after the tennis ball. And you'll you'll discover if you teach your dog to sit, stay, and leave it and be able to throw that tennis ball and make them wait patiently, they'll want to go get that tennis ball even more. And they love it even more. So having structure to playtime can actually end up making it more fun for your dog and lets you maintain control so you know from a safety standpoint, you have control. And just from being able to have control of your dog at any moment, you know you have that focus and control. So establishing things like a, again, a drop it, a leave it, and a stay command into playtime can really go a long way for that dog trusting you. Okay, You're also telling that dog, leave that toy alone, but then you end up letting them go get it. So the dog trusts you to know that they're still going to get their reward in the end. They still get to go chase that ball in the end. And then they'll want to bring it back to you and trust you. You know, there's some dogs, right, that they'll go chase the toy and then take the toy and run away from you and not bring it back. Because you haven't established that trust. You haven't conditioned it in a way that that dog wants to bring it back to you, wants to to, uh, uh, relinquish the control of the toy to you. So those are very important things that people just don't consider when it comes to playtime. Okay, You can actually enhance the bond with your dog the more you make them work for something like that really cool stuff, but your dog wants to work. They really do. I promise you, they want to do something. They want to, so they don't want to just chase the toy. They want to have a mission to chase the toy. Uh, it makes it more fun. Think of like a little kid when they're, when they're little and playing, 
makes it more fun to put an imaginary mission to it and actually have a mission to go on and, and makes it more fulfilling. Silly, but fulfilling. Same thing for your dog. If I can create more structure, more of a quote-unquote mission for them, they'll actually mentally get more out of it and become more fulfilled and have more fun with it. And it only makes that bond with them that much better. So structure on playtime, something you may not have thought about, but really important. You know, another thing about structure with playtime, it's like teaching a little kid manners. I've kind of briefly talked about this before. You're not going to tell your kid to just go to the playground when you've never taught them manners. You have to teach a kid how to share. You have to teach them how to be around other children. You have to teach them that there's rules and limitations even to something like playtime. And it's no different with our dogs. So keep that in mind. Now, another thing that I like to use a lot of is touch. When it comes to dogs and puppies, not just a new dog that comes into my house, um, you know, a new dog that I'm adopting, excuse me, that would maybe be a few years old, but especially with puppies, I use a lot of touch, right? Now, touch, of course, means affection. Absolutely. Absolutely. But touch also means discipline when it comes to dogs. Now, especially puppies. Let's touch on the puppies for a second. When puppies are first born, believe it or not, they actually, they can't see, they can't hear. All they can do is smell, taste, and feel, right? And and smell and, and feel become very, or smell and touch, if you will, become very strong um, senses to them, become very enhanced in that time. And so mom is actually going to take advantage of that and utilize that, right? So her scent, as we all know, a puppy is very drawn to their mother's scent, very strong, And then she'll also use touch. She'll use her nose to nudge the dogs around, move them. She'll then end up using the nose to discipline. She'll use nips. Everybody knows a mom grabs them by their necks. Absolutely. That's how dogs naturally correct each other. So in a way, I like to use that. Why not? I prefer to communicate with an animal in the most natural and instinctual way that they could possibly understand. I think that's the healthiest way to communicate with any animal, through reward and discipline. So dogs naturally discipline each other through nips, right? Kind of the shoulder neck area and even on the back hind sides, that's where they'll nip to correct each other. So not only do I want to use touch for affection, but I also want to use it for correction because it's a natural way that they communicate with each other, okay? So when I do use my touch corrections, I go in with a firm nip at the neck using three fingers to again mimic the way that they do it to each other. Now, of course, there's a little bit of technique to that, and I do recommend, as always, please find yourself a professional trainer or behavior specialist that you can get with and work with so you have more in-depth understanding of technique and what you're doing. Okay, Very important that you know what you're doing. So again, there's nothing wrong with using some touch corrections, and believe it or not, your dog will appreciate, yes, you heard me, appreciate the fact that you're disciplining them and providing them structure and boundaries. Now the idea guys, it's not to go in as hard as you can and nip them and none of that stuff. Okay. The idea is to get in, get out, make a quick, but firm correction, get in, get out. I'm not going in there to wrestle them. I'm not going in there to battle them. I'm not trying to grab them and squeeze them. None of that crazy crap. Unnecessary little nips, quick in and out to the neck. Okay. The whole point of a correction, as I've talked about in one of my previous segments, the whole point of a punishment, right? What's the definition? Anything an animal works to avoid. It's not anything an animal hates or doesn't want or physically can't stand. No, anything an animal works to avoid. So I want to use the least amount of the least amount of correction possible in order to guide and direct that behavior. And the nips allow me to do that in a really healthy and natural instinctual way. You know, really a general rule of thumb when you're training, be in and out with everything you do, in and out. When I give affection and I'm trying to train and get information across, I'm going to give a piece of treat, say good boy, and be done. When I give a correction with the collar, I give a quick correction, in and out, and then I'm done. When I go to give a nip and a touch correction, in and out, then I'm done. Okay, you really want to be able to give your dog little tiny pieces of small information. The, The smaller and more concise you can make your info, the easier it is for them to digest and understand, right? If I try forcing one piece of info down their throat, not really as good. But if I give a little piece here, a little piece there, a little piece here, a little piece there, a little piece here, a little piece, before you know it, 10 tiny pieces of information make a lot more sense to the dog. 
it's again easier for them to digest that and understand that. So kind of keep that in mind. General rule of thumb when training, be in and out with everything you do. Give a treat, be done. Give affection, be done. Give a correction, be done. In and out. Give your dog small, bite-sized pieces of information, and it makes it easier for them to understand. So back to touch for a second. You know, a touch correction can also be paired with the word no. This way you are conditioning a stimulus with an aversive or punishment, right? You're conditioning a word with a consequence. So now when I say no to my dog in the future, it can actually act as a redirection or punishment because now I've conditioned it as such, okay? So it kind of makes sense. You have to condition the word no with some form of punishment in order for your dog to view it that way. Now, David, I know I can hear people saying it. David, I don't want to punish my dog. I got news for you. You don't really have an option and you probably punish your dog all the time and you don't even realize it. <laughs> I love I love when I go to a consultation and I, I, I it's funny because I say the word punishment and I can see the look in people's faces go like, oh, punishment. Oh, my gosh. I'm go oh, I don't want to hurt me. You're not going to hurt your dog if you do it correctly. First of all, people, punishment does not have to be anything physical. Um, I'm going to explain punishment again. We've gone over it. I'm going to do it again because I think this is really important and it's an important side note in building a relationship with your dog. Whether you want to hear this or not, and whether you like it or not, it doesn't really make it any less true. Punishment is a necessary part of life for every animal on this planet. I'm going to say that again. Punishment is a necessary part of everyday life for every animal on this planet. It's necessary. It happens all the time. It happens all around you all the time, guys. What happens if you make bad decisions in life? Normally bad things happen to you. Got news for you. That's a punishment. That's a consequence. Most of us work to avoid things like that. Avoidance. So what did I say the definition of punishment was? Anything an animal works to avoid doesn't have to be anything physical. I work to avoid the easiest way to understand it, right? I work to avoid getting a ticket every day I get in my car and drive down the street. I avoid getting a ticket by driving the speed limit. That's how I avoid getting a ticket. So the ticket is a form of punishment to me. I personally don't like to rip off people. <laughs> I personally don't like to, to, to hurt and harm people. So that, believe it or not, harming people is a form of punishment to me. I work to avoid it because I don't like it. So I, I work to avoid it, right? You know, I like to tell a story, a quick story about a client I worked with a few years ago. They had a small dog, they had a four-year-old, <laughs> and the four-year-old kid was just being, I'm sorry, there's no other way to say it, I'll bleep it out, and <laughs> to this dog. <laughs> he was, he was downright mean to this dog, and it wasn't okay, and the parents just, just you could see, just let it happen, and now here was the problem. Because of his actions toward this dog, the dog was starting to be like, all right, I'm kind of sick of this. It was starting to bite back at the kid. Now, I agree with the dog. <laughs> I would have bit the kid too. Um, and I had to look at these parents and go, guys, your kid's the problem. It's not the dog. Like, you've called me in here to train your dog. I can't blame the dog. I said, I've seen what your kid's doing to him. And they said, well, what are we supposed to do? I said, well, you need to discipline your child. And they look at me, oh, we, we don't punish our child. I'd be like, so I, and in my head, I'm thinking, so, so let me get this straight. Your, your kid is a little, <clears throat> a little so-and-so and you guys don't punish him. I wonder if there's some kind of correlation going on there. Anybody, anybody think there might be, <laughs> might be a correlation to this child's poor behavior and lack of discipline? Boy, it's almost like you could say the same thing about dogs, huh? <laughs> now, again, I'm not talking take this kid out back and whip him. That's, no, that is not what I am suggesting. It's not what I suggested to the parents. But seriously, the parents straight up were asking me, what are we supposed to do? And I looked at them. I said, well, you need to punish your kid. And again, they went, oh, we don't, we don't believe in that. And I'm not joking. I looked right back at them and I said, well, if you don't believe in punishment, then I can't help you guys and, and I'll leave right now. And they went, whoa, 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 what do you, what do you mean? What do you mean? I said, well, you can't, you can't not punish your child. It's the only way to fix this. You can't not punish your dog. It's the only way to fix this. I said, so if you guys don't want to use punishment, I can't help you. 
I can't ignore the rules of psychology, guys. I can't. I can't just ignore them because I don't like the word punishment. It doesn't work that way. (laughs) Okay? So whether you like it or not, is what I said to them, whether you like it or not, you are going to have to use punishment. You have to punish your child. And they said, well, what do we do? And I looked at them and I said, well, what's his favorite toy? And they both turned to each other and said the name of the toy at the exact same moment. I mean, they know. And I looked at them and I said, see, you know how to punish your kid. And they looked at me perplexed and said, what do you mean? <laughs> I said, Take the toy away from the kid. <laughs> Tell him he doesn't get it back until he's nice to the dog. I mean, guys, it's a four-year-old. We're, we're, not, we're not talking that they need to outsmart a rocket scientist here. <laughs> we're talking about setting up a reward and consequence scenario for a four-year-old. This isn't complicated stuff. It's pretty straightforward. <laughs> and it's no different with your dog, Okay. I, I can't, I, I could probably try to say this in five different languages and butcher it, but <laughs> you have to punish your animals. That doesn't mean anything physical. I'll say it again. That doesn't mean anything physical, but you have to provide punishment, whether you like it or not. Withholding a treat can be a form of punishment. We're out on a leash. The dog wants to walk left. I turn and walk right. That can be a form of punishment. Just because you don't like the word doesn't mean you understand it. It is one of the most misunderstood words. And I am off on a tangent. (laughs) This is what happens when you mix rum and recording. Oh, goodness. You know, it's pretty simple, guys. Rewarding consequence. Rewarding consequence. And believe it or not, that's how you build a relationship with your dog. Because everybody, I know you're going, wow, you're going off on a tangent about punishment. No, that's that's how it works. You know, here's another little story I'll tell you. When I, when I go to pick up dogs for doggy day camp, when I've finished a boot camp with a dog, and I come back the first time after seeing them, do you think the dogs are scared of me? Do you think they don't care about me? Or do you think they're happy to see me? Which do you think it is? Doom, 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 doom. <laughs> they're happy to see me. And... 80% of clients go, oh, it's because you have a treat pouch on. It's because you have treats on you. And I look at them and I go, do you think I just spent three weeks doing nothing but giving your dog food and that's how I got them to magically behave better? No. I didn't just throw treats at your dog for three weeks to make them fall in love with me. That's, <laughs> that's not how it works. I provide punishment, negative reinforcement, and positive reinforcement. I understand the rules of behavior and apply them. I understand the instinct behind that dog's eyes, what goes on in their brain to some degree, can't read their minds, um, and I tap into that. That's why your dog loves me so much because I provide discipline, I provide rules, I provide boundaries, and I provide affection or treats, if you will. Damn straight I provide treats and affection, But I provide just as much, if not more, rules and discipline, at least to start with. Okay? That's why your dog loves me, client. (laughs) They, it's funny, it happens every time. The dog gets so excited, they're like, oh, it's just because you feed them. Oh, yeah, of course, it's just because I feed them. That must be it. That must be it. (laughs) Guys, I, I don't hide it. I don't hide it. I don't lie. I don't sugarcoat. I don't hide it. I provide rules, discipline, boundaries, and affection. I'll announce it from the top of the world. Do you know how you build a good relationship with your dog? Discipline, rules, boundaries, and affection. That's how you do it. That's the magical elixir, people. If I provide nothing but too much affection and coddling and treats and praise, and then my dog walks all over me. If I provide too much discipline, too much, many boundaries, if I'm too strict, guess what? Then the dog hates me. But if I can provide them a nice balanced amount of each, a balanced amount of discipline, a balanced amount of affection, then that dog is going to look at you as their leader. It's that simple. It's that simple. 
Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and more. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Boss. Located in Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. Next up on Speak a Dogcast, we have our guest spot. And today's guest is a good friend of mine, Sam Padula. And she's joining us all the way from New York City. Of course, I'm broadcasting from Palm City, Florida. Uh, now, a few years back, uh, Sam used to, Sam, both of us used to live in Orlando. And Sam was actually originally a client of mine, became a little bit of an intern and started working with me uh, in that capacity. So definitely a unique experience as far as training and working with dogs. And she's here to talk more about that today. So Please help me welcome to the show, Sam Padula. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? Doing excellent. Doing awesome. So, you know, let's uh, let's start there. How's uh, how's the city life? How's New York going? So um, it's it's been interesting, you know, with with COVID, um, you know, uh, going from a place where I had a huge backyard and I can get you know, into my car and just kind of drove or drive everywhere, you know, now I'm in an apartment building and there's less uh, allotment for travel um, and human interaction in general, which I'm sure everybody's kind of experiencing. Yeah. But, you know, you add in um, dogs to that element and it's definitely been uh, more of an interesting challenge. Sure. I, I would say. Sure. I would say. So how is, uh, how is Miss Gabby? Gabby's Gabby's good. I think she's uh, she's adjusted to the fact that I'm home a lot more now. Uh, we had a really good routine. I'd leave, you know, go to work. I'd be gone for eight hours a day. I'd come home and, you know, we'd resume our normal life together. Now, you know, at the beginning of COVID, it became what you're doing here as much. Uh, but she still did her thing, you know, by herself, which is nice. You know, she's not kind of, you know, I, I was expecting that she would be a little bit more... Um, needy needy you know but i think it's more of like yo what, what's up why are you here so <laughs> um and now my my roommate actually um she is a teacher and they've had a lot of back and you know back and forth in the school not in the school so sure. she's here too which is definitely like i don't know what she did in her eight hours a day while i was gone um because i let her kind of roam free but uh it's definitely not the same as it is now you know, she's just <laughs> all day like, why are you here? <laughs> yeah. This is when I play, but yeah. <laughs> and so how, how old is Gabby now? Gabby is going to be nine on Saturday. Oh my gosh. I know. Crazy, right? And you know, I was thinking before the call, I said, I was trying to think of some of the dog. It's funny. I associate dogs with years. <laughs> That's kind of how I know what year it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know uh, Betty was around a lot when uh when yes. we were working together and so that kind of gives me the 2014 ish range yep. so that's crazy that it i mean when you think about it, yeah it was six years you know six years go by and boom gabby's yeah. nine so i think so gabby had turned three i think when i met you and i okay. think um i called you it was january i remember it was january 2015 wow i think it was yeah, yeah. okay 15 almost okay. a year after i had had her at okay. that point well actually that makes sense i picked up Betty in November 14 and she spent a couple months with me and she was there in January. So actually you came in in the middle of her training. Interesting. Um, okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. But that's crazy. Nine. Wow. Nuts. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But she's still doing great. You know, still going out for good walks and everything. She, she does. She has that, she has that puppy, still that puppy spirit in her, you know, actually people always ask me if I, you know, I'll say like, six seven eight you know over the years have passed and they think i'm talking about months and i'm like no she's just she's got a lot of play in her which is nice you know yeah, yeah. um making that adjustment from 
you know, Florida to New York was a little interesting. I bet. I bet. She's, she's done, you know, she's done fairly well. I think I, I, I think I've done fairly well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know there are times when I probably, you know, I could have done something a little bit better, but she still had a good foundation. I think that, you know, I didn't, I didn't do any, any major damage. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. So, and we haven't talked about what kind of, tell everybody what kind of dog Gabby is. So Gabby is a pit bull mix from what um, I was told when I rescued her. Um, I know you, you see, you thought that she was actually a full pit bull, right? Potentially. Yeah. Potentially. You know, one of the little small females. Exactly. She's small. She's not, she's not um, bulky by any means. She's very lean. Um, She's roughly about 38 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. and, you know, I always think she's a mix, though, because she definitely she's she's longer than I feel like she you should think? be. Yeah. You know, I don't know what she's mixed with, but she's definitely like it just it doesn't match. But, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when we um, you know, when you first called me and if I remember correctly, yeah, yeah that's right. You got uh, you got my information from your aunt who I had worked with a couple years prior. That's right. Uh, and so what were some of the behavioral issues you were, you were experiencing with Gabby? You know, talk to us about the, the, the need for training. What, why you called me? Yeah. So to be fair, I was not a dog owner. I had never been a dog owner with my, you know, my parents never had one. And, um, I had always wanted a dog, but I didn't know. I knew it would be a responsibility but I wasn't quite sure what that responsibility was. And my roommate at the time had been looking for a dog and I was walking into a TJ Maxx and there was a group out there with their cages and she just suckered me in the face and I called my roommate and she couldn't come down and I just said, screw it. And I called my parents and I said, I'm adopting a dog. So it was very emotional. It was not, a well thought out decision by any means. Um, I will, I will be honest about that, but you know, once I commit to something, I commit to it. And, you know, I didn't know that most of the behaviors that I was doing was actually causing her to have the behavioral issues that she was. Um, She's a rescue. Um, I didn't find out for a while um, what had actually happened to her. Um, if you, you know, you obviously yeah. know that she yeah. has a permanently broken leg. It was broken um, and they never fixed it. So, you know, so I'm already, you know, I was dealing with, with that and I was kind of being a little bit too coddling, I think because of that, but I didn't give her the benefit of the doubt that she was two years old. She had this injury since she was six months old. So to her, it wasn't really an injury, yeah. you know, yep. um, it was just kind of How who was. she was. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I was very anxious a lot and I didn't know how to deal with her. I didn't know how to walk with her. I, I, you know, I was actually, it became, it, it, it got to a point where I didn't want to walk with her because I didn't know what would happen. I didn't know if she was going to dart, you know, away from me, um, you know, she's a pit bull. She's very strong. I am stronger, but you know, you don't want to pull the leash too hard. You don't want to do this because you, you know, one, you don't want to hurt them and be, you, you're worried about what everybody else is thinking. Right. Yeah. You know? Um, so I was doing a lot wrong and you know, it, what finally got me to call you was we, I had taken Gabby for the weekend to Palm coast with a friend of mine and, you know, to stay at his brother's house and they had four young children. And I could see that she was, I could see she was agitated. I could see that. Um, And, you know, she was right by me. And one of the kids, as kids do, ran right by her, um, you know, like playing. And Gabby just, in a way I've never seen her, just went for her, just went for her. Um, She did, she did nip her, she broke skin. Um, I was very, uh, I was beside myself. They were, they were actually understanding of it. They, they've had many dogs. They were like, it's okay. We, you know, we don't know what happened to her. We love her. But for me, it was just, it was beyond devastating. Um, and I think I called you maybe two days later. Um, you know, and I didn't even know where to start, right? You see so many, I, I had actually previously looked into some dog training, but I didn't know what kind of, and what level of dog training I needed at that point. But thankfully, you called me back. <laughs> Came over a few days later. Yeah. Which was, yeah. Yeah. 
that initial consultation. I mean, I, I kind of remember that a little bit. Um, I think, I think, did Brian come with me for that initial consult? Brian was there. Yeah, um, yeah. So, right. So like, you know, I, I told you, I was explaining some of the things you had. I said, she's kind of aggressive. And I know you were thinking like, no, she's, she's damn aggressive. (laughs) (laughs) And and I remember, you know, I I wanted to do everything right. So I remember Brian was there with you. I guess something I said must've triggered, like, I need some backup on this one. Um, To to be fair, we were actually just working together a lot at that point and kind of going on each other's appointments and, uh, okay. Yeah, okay. no, I wasn't. No, no, no it was nothing. <laughs> it was a little intimidating. Scared. I know two behavior specialists walk in the yeah. door, especially Brian, you know. <laughs> I had a feeling that Gabby would be on edge. I had yeah. a feeling. So yeah. I had, you know, my roommate was there, um, yes, who, you know, that. she loved. And a very dear friend of mine, um, Eric, was there who was around her probably as much as I was, um, you know, living only a mile and a half down the road and, you know, my best friend. So I had them there because I, I'd like to say it was more for her support, but it was actually more for my support, you know? Um, and it was, it was very hard for me. It was very hard for me to make that call. It was very hard for me to admit that, you know, she needed help, but in retrospect, actually that was probably the healthiest and, and, best thing I ever, ever could have done for her. You know, it was about her. It wasn't about me, you know, and I came to learn that over and over and over more time. (laughs) Yes. So yeah, she grilled you, boy. She laid down, but she would not take those eyes off. No, she wouldn't. No. Yeah. Mm -mm. Which was unusual because she, we had had other people over and she had never done that. Yeah. You know, I, I usually, and, and as you learned, the more you came with me and you saw the initial consultations, um, I tend to get a different reaction out of the dog, <laughs> but it's, it's not, you know, people, I, I hear that a lot when I walk in, it's, Oh, she's, she's never reacted like that before. She's never done. Sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes the dog's very standoffish and all of a sudden it comes right up to me. Sometimes okay. it's the opposite. Uh, but usually it's the opposite of their norm. And, you know, just for everybody listening out there, what it, what's really happening is most people walk in the door, and especially if they know you have a dog that's anxious, what's the first thing they try to do? <gasps> it's okay. Let me reason with you and try to explain to you that I'm not going to harm you. And unfortunately, as we know, that doesn't work. So when somebody walks in and all of a sudden ignores the dog, makes no eye contact with the dog, it goes out of the normal pattern they're used to, and it can throw them off either in a good way or maybe not so good way. Um, but it's different. And of course, I, I interact and my first interaction with dogs are the way they are for a particular training reason, behavioral reason. Um, I don't think I've gone too much into depth on on people greeting them, uh, people greeting dogs, dog greeting people. Yes. But uh, anyway, so it's it's yeah, you know, you always kind of get that. There's always that question mark when I walk in a house of, okay, I know what the owner has told me, <laughs> what normally happens when I walk in. Uh, but let's see. But yeah, no, she did not. She didn't trust me for a second. Um, no. and, yeah, but and, I, and maybe, I, I mean, maybe it was because I wasn't like, oh, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't give off any of that. Yeah. I was very stoic myself because yeah. I was so nervous. Yeah. Maybe, and maybe that was. That's a part of it too. And then on top of that, your roommates there, Eric was there, you know, we had a lot of people in the mix standing there watching her and it was very different out of the ordinary. And as we know, you know, they're very reliant on patterns and conditioning. And so anything out of that norm, um, can throw them off whether like I said good or bad um but yeah you know it was it was it was interesting and mm-hmm. I always like that initial uh greeting because it can tell me a lot about what's going on and and what we have happening and yeah so you know from there we did a boot camp right <laughs> so yeah. yeah I I had pretty much already made a decision in my head that I was going to put her in a boot camp when you did it when you did come over okay. it was just a matter of I think also I mean I kind of wanted to of course get your vibe um you know yeah, you know what I mean? oh, like sure, I think please I'm not gonna hand over no. my dog <laughs> <No>. <laughs> exactly. um 
Look, I just had a client. I just had clients come over the other day um, who I'm taking their dog for a boot camp in a couple of weeks and they straight up asked, hey, can we see where you live, your facility? And my answer is always, you know, absolutely. Right. Um, you're more than welcome because I, I feel the same way. <laughs> I would need to meet the person, shake their hand, look you in the eye of the person I'm handing my animal over to. So, right. exactly. yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. But anyway, yeah. So, uh, so I think I think how it went was um, we I had agreed to a one week. Um, just, you know, as a kind of a trial thing, although I think in my heart of hearts, I knew that it would be a two week, but I was yeah. just, you know, like, I think it's a comfort thing. Like, no, we're only going to take your dog for a week. And, you know, <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I mean, you, re- you checked in and I saw that she was okay. And I think that definitely helped. And I think you did give her a little bit more special attention. Um, I mentioned, obviously she had the broken leg, so her pads, and plus I was afraid to take her out. Her pads were not appropriately um, calloused. Callous. Yeah, they weren't calloused, exactly. They weren't calloused. Mm-hmm. And so you actually so wonderfully went out and got her these little sneaker shoes, um, <laughs> you know, just to kind of bridge that gap for a little while. And um, you sent me a picture and the, it's the craziest thing. She's sitting there and she her face is just like, what the hell? <laughs> what the heck? Oh, um, You're good. She's all these little <laughs> things. But what I noticed about that picture was that there were strangers in the background. Um, and you were far from her. You were far away from her. You can tell that you were very far from her when you took this photo. I zoomed in and there were people in a car in their driveway, like, you know, hands up or something like that. And I realized I, that's something I never would have been able to do. The fact that you had her sitting that far away from her and she stayed and wasn't reacting that and that 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 was something that actually I think I mentioned it to you I was like how'd you do that um so that you know and that plus you you did take a little extra care for her just because you saw that she did have you know the the, the bleeding on the the paws um you know it really made me feel feel good and I don't even think we made it to the end of that first week before I told you like keep her keep her her that extra week um you know, I, it's, it's hard, you know, I'd only had, I, I had her for a year and I, I, I went, I don't even remember how old I was, 20 something, 30 years. I don't even remember how old <laughs> I was like 20 something years old. I never had a dog. Then I have a dog for 11 months and it's like, I've never not had a dog. So for her to be gone for a week was a little bit, you know, that, and that's me. That's the, that's the emotional part, right? That's the, that's the, the Jewish mother in me. <laughs> <laughs> but um no i i i it was the best thing i ever did really awesome. was for her that's fantastic her. that's really cool and then of course you know after the boot camp and after i brought gabby back uh you know our, our we we actually ended up becoming good friends which was a lot of fun and not mm-hmm. only friends, you, really unique situation that you ended up starting to like shadow with me and come on appointments and start learning and, and, and not just handling your own dog, but handling other dogs and handling my client dogs. And, you know, I, I want to talk about that experience a little more because like I said, yeah. it's very unique. You know, I'd have, I've had a couple interns here and there, but I'll be honest, you're my first and only client turned intern. Right. <laughs> so that was kind yeah. of fun. That was neat. Well, so I think, I think let's see, I, I gave her to you in January or back February. Um, I had actually, when I did bring her to you, actually, I had just left my job. Um, you know, I, I just kind of needed a break from that world for, for a while. It was, it was taking its toll on me. So, you know, I was, I was very, it was also great that I, I, I found you at that time, right? Because then I had that time to really devote to her and there was no excuse, right? I couldn't say I was at work, you know, all these hours or whatever. Um, so you know you were just I mean I we were friends um so you're like yeah if you want to come hang out and whatnot and you you know you started just teaching me different techniques and you know besides your own dogs which you have well you have four unfortunately two of them have passed which my lucky my lucky duck (laughs) um you know so I, I got the benefit of watching your dogs in your environment, as well as bringing other dogs into that environment. And you very kindly let me bring Gabby along on many of those occasions. So Gabby was really, you know, just by being in that setting and being by all those other dogs and their different personalities, you know, it, it was added training for her, um, which was wonderful. Um, 
but for me, it was just a really big eye opener. It's just, you know, we, we approach, we coddle our dogs, right? We, we can, we can love them. We can love them like our own children, Yes. but just like with children, if you don't set them up with structure and you don't do things that are proper for them, they're, you're going to fail them. And I'm, I'm not a, I, I don't, I don't fail people. <laughs> At least I try not to. That's my, <laughs> that's my pride talking, but you know, th- there was no reason why I, that time, especially I could not do right by her. And so that's what I wanted to do, but it was awesome. I mean, who wouldn't want this job? Like literally I can spend hours upon hours just chilling with dogs, um, you know, and showing them different things. It's almost like when you do have a little kid and, you know, you teach them something and they get it, you know, it's the same, it's conceptually, you know, the same thing. But I think it also taught me a lot about me and it taught me a lot about humans in general and how we kind of interact with animals and, um, yeah, but I, I, I loved it. I loved meeting all the people that you met. Those some some of those initial intakes were very interesting. Some of the people who never ever wanted to see us again. <laughs> <laughs> you get a few of those, don't you? Yeah. Well, yeah. You, it, it, what I've discovered is the people who don't ever want to see you again are the people who don't want to hear the truth. Uh, right. You know, that's. <laughs> I'm curious. Are there any? Are there any uh, particular? And again, we don't have to mention names or dog breeds or anything like that. But is there any particular story that maybe sticks out? I'm curious of like a, uh, you know, crazy client there, or. <laughs> there, there was a client who was a re- repeat client of yours. Um, but she, I could say she, I'll just yeah, say yeah, she. Yeah. She was very defensive about everything you say. And it's, it's hard not to, let's be fair. It's hard for anybody to hear like, oh, yeah. you are doing this wrong. You were doing that wrong. Like, nobody wants to hear that. That's oh. a pride thing. Um, but at a certain point, where do you put your pride aside, right? Um, I just remember, and I... I don't know if this is too much. She was there with a glass of wine. Ah, I told this story about this one. I love it. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> I think so. If we're talking about the same client, yeah, I think she so. was just with a glass of wine. It's like, oh no, 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 no. She's just like, she's just doing that because. And right. she's tell, doing- tell you what, tell you what, let's do this. Just, just say the name and I will bleep it out. I honestly later. can't even remember. Okay. Her name. You remember the I dog, dog her. name, dog breed, anything. Because now, now you get now you now yeah. you're peaking my curiosity. The, the dog wasn't terrible. It was the human that was terrible. Which okay, terrible is a hard. Isn't it, but isn't that a kind of most of the time the case? So doesn't yeah. Narrow, doesn't no, I just it down. I'll never forget the wine and the oh, but and I'm like, lady, put your glass of wine down for like two seconds. <laughs> I'm trying to think who this was. Oh man. And then there was this one dog. I remember they tried so hard with this dog. They they tried and tried and tried and ultimately it just didn't work out in the end. Um, she professionally, I think, was a trainer of different breed of animal, of different kind of animal mm-hmm. and, you know, wanted so hard to try and, and, and have those skills. You know, she tried to use those same so skills, different animals, yeah. skills, right? And ultimately, I think they ended up giving up the dog, right? Just for the, you know, because she had a young kid and they were, you know, and I I remember that, Um, which was sad, but you know what? They did right by their family. Best for the dog and the family. Exactly. Best for both. You got it. Yeah. It's not always ideal to have to tell somebody, you know, uh, look, even just, uh, just a few weeks ago, I had to tell somebody and I won't get too much into this one, but long story short, they got a lot of dog to begin with. And then they got a second puppy who's going to also be a lot of dog. And it's not an ideal situation. And I, I really had to say, and again, look, I, I don't tell people you should or shouldn't have a dog. <laughs> I don't think it's my, my place. And this is what I tell everybody who I'm maybe trying to make that recommendation without making it. It's not my decision. It's your dog. It's your family. You guys have to go. But yeah, it's, it's sad that sometimes, you know, we, we, we maybe have to remove a dog from a situation to get what's best for everybody, but that's just it. It's what ends up being best for the dog and the family in the end. So not always what we want to do, but I think, um, you know, it ends up working out for, for everybody. So, yeah, it's amazing how much, and, and again, this goes back to me saying your dog is a reflection of you. And sure, when you, when you get a rescue and they come with some baggage, sure. 
Um, that that's a little bit of a different story. But at the end of the day, when your dog spends, I mean, just like you said, you were coddling Gabby too much, uh, mm-hmm. and that reflection was only making her behavior worse. Uh, so it's, it, it, that's a tougher situation because she came to you with some stuff that you just didn't know how to approach and deal right. with it. And that's, that's, I also again, didn't know exactly, either. exactly. And that's a little different. Uh, but at the end of the day, your dog becomes a reflection of you. And so it's amazing how much someone's personal life or family life or what goes on behind closed doors uh, can have such an impact on the dog. And I don't always see all of that, you know. Uh, you can see a lot of it in what goes on when you walk into somebody's home, as you learned. Um, but, yeah, sometimes it's it's just not a right fit. And dogs are, you know, with children, they share your DNA, right? <laughs> There's a little bit of biology work in telling you to not want to throw that kid out the door. Uh, <laughs> dog's a little different. Um, right. You know. But also at a certain point, the human being can talk to you. Yes, right. Yes. And but but to me with animals, um, people need to be realists. I, I have no problem with people rehoming dogs in a responsible way. Um, I, ha- I have no issue with that if it's what's best for the family and what's best for the dog. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, isn't that what we really need to be concerned with? So, uh, but yeah, you know, it, it's it, it is it is interesting the wide variety of not just animal and dog behaviors you you saw, but the human behaviors that go along with it, and just how they directly correlate. Yeah. And what you do, a lot of what you do is you kind of strip them down, right? You get them back to that core and you rebuild. Yes. Um, Which I honestly, I, you know, I I don't want to say I'm a little obnoxious sometimes, but you know, I'm at the dog park or I'm somewhere and I'm like, (laughs) okay, you know, I'm I'm doing that. I don't, I, you know, I, it's, I'm not a professional, but I'm just like, but you know better, but you know better. Right. I do know better. I see what they're doing wrong, but what I, I don't think that I personally could do, which is what you, you do is you see it and you, you, you strip it down. Right. And, and, and you rebuild. I only know, you know, I, I know with my dog how to, you know, redirect her and how to get her, you know, and, 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 and to do that. But if I were to see a, a brand new dog, I wouldn't even know where to be. <laughs> give yourself, Hey, give yourself some more credit. Look, Sam, <laughs> Sam is not giving herself enough credit here. Um, it's funny. Cause I actually mentioned you um, in one of the stories, it was about a dog who lived in a downtown environment. I don't know if you remember her in that wonderful situation. And mm-hmm. look, this was a beast of a dog. She was at least 65, 70 pounds, very solidly built, very strong. And Sam was handling this dog. I mean, well, she I- was taking the leash. And look, I'm not I'm not picking on your height, but what, you're five five, five four? I'm saying, you're, you're not I would be lucky to be. I'm like almost <laughs> five three. We'll say five three. And she was handling a <laughs> 70 pound aggressive tendency dog uh with success might i add yeah it, it's in an, and I, i've said this before be empowered by being able to train your dog um especially when you have something like a behavior people go oh i have to coddle a dog who's aggressive he's sad he's it. no <laughs> that's not what it takes yeah. um and and we worked through and again we got to a pretty good point with that dog but not not quite where we should have i don't even actually i think you had moved um, by the time that they had decided they moved and they actually moved to a house with a backyard. I don't know if you'd listened to that episode yet, uh, but they, they moved to a backyard and things actually started improving a lot better once they got her out of that environment, which was, yeah. I think really what we Yeah. Like the take, elevators, you know? there was multiple dogs in that building. That building was crazy. That yeah. was insane. That was one we, of the worst environments. Somebody who didn't have a job getting up at five 30 in the morning to come meet you to go down there. <laughs> That's right. Cause I was walking her five days a week at like 6 a.m. Oh yeah. man, because we were trying to get that energy level down. We were working well, her through it. Also, we were all the people, yeah, to try to get her. Yeah, no, well, no, because you had to get her outside. No, yeah, look, you have to bring an energy level down to make behavior more manageable, right? Uh, and you couldn't even get this dog out the damn door. So. <laughs> it, 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 it was again. I mean, listen to that, guys. I don't know if you just heard that. We were waking up at 5.30 in the morning, uh, and I do that pretty much every day now, um, but we were waking up at 5.30 to go do what needed to be done for this dog. Now, yes, I'm being paid to do that, but guess what? I wasn't. You were. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, But no, that's what it took. 
Is that, right. I mean, really, everybody needs to hear that. We had to wake up early to be able to set this dog up for success in our training and be able to, to, to try to make any progress because of how severe this case was. Um, so you have to adapt and do that with, with any dog you're working with, you know, and you have to be able to make that kind of commitment. And we were doing that five days a week, I think for like two or three months. Um, it was, it was a lot. Um, I don't know that you were there every day and I, I, I would expect you to be, <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, yeah, it's, it's, um, I'm so glad that you really, you got to be a part of it and, and see a different perspective because it is different when you come with me every day and you see the variety of behavior you do. And all of a sudden that I'm sure the light switch just flips of like, Oh, I get it now. Like this makes so when you can see it across that wide spectrum. Right. Um, so uh, I just, I love, I miss working with you. I really do. I miss Sam. I she, we had so say, much fun. I will say I, I would get frustrated a lot more easily um, than, I mean, you, you kept your cool. You didn't seem to ever really get frustrated. I would get frustrated, um, which, you know, you would be like, it's all right. <laughs> then you were, then you were using your, your uh, behavior uh, knowledge on me. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, and that's it, right? You say it all the time, and and it's it's totally true. Is that so much of of, of training and 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 is is it's it's more the person. It's yep. like eighty percent human, twenty yep. percent dog. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, we're a very complex being, and we can really project that onto our animals. Yeah. Which, yeah. I just had this conversation yesterday. Actually, my neighbor just got a puppy, nine week old. Yeah. And they're asking me all these questions. I'm like, I, I, I've not dealt with a nine week old, but, uh, <laughs> here's a, you know, here, here's, here's information about David's podcast. Go check right, it out. I, and listen. Did. I, gave, I swear to God, I gave her your, I, nice. I gave her your podcast info. Um, love I just, I love the, the children next door. It's they're in my bubble, so I don't really get too much interaction. And sure. so you know, they have four kids under the age of 10. They, asked me to come over just to kind of observe a couple things. Again, I'm cool. not a professional, but they see how I am with Gabby. Sure. And um, that was kind of nice, actually. Uh, but yeah, nine weeks old, mini golden doodle. Oh, oh that's going to be a handful. A lot of energy coming your way, people. Whew. Yeah, he's been a lot of yesterday passed out, you know, because I think he was just overwhelmed. They sure. literally came up just, on Saturday. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Uh, give it a couple weeks and that energy's going to grow. Yeah. Whew. Good luck. Don't worry. I, I already directed him in your direction. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. I love it. I love it. That's fantastic. Well, hey, I really appreciate you taking some time out and coming and chatting with me. It's been, you know, I know we caught up a little while ago and it's good to catch up again. And I can't wait till I can get back up to New York again when things get back to normal. Come say hi and do my rounds. And, um, yeah. you know, I need to, to come you. down there. I, I know. I know. You got to come check out the property. Come see beautiful Palm City, Florida. It's not that beautiful. People don't move here. Stay where you are. Uh, Florida's horrible. Florida's just, oh God, it's so awful. The mosquitoes and the just awful weather. Just get, stay away. Okay. Get, get out of my state. No, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> a little bit of personal feelings coming out there, but no, I really appreciate it. A lot, of, a lot of people flock down there. Let me I know tell you. We, we are very aware of it. Believe me, we're not thrilled <laughs> with the way this area is growing, but that's a different story for a different day. Um, but again, Hey, I appreciate it. And I look forward to the next time we can actually meet in person. Yeah, and, uh, and I hope you, uh, you and Gabby stay well and we'll talk again soon. All right. Awesome. I'll see you soon. All right. Thanks, Sam. Bye. In these crazy times we are living in right now, there is only one thing for certain. You got to eat. And if you got to eat, you better eat good. I know when I'm cooking and eating at home, I only want to use the highest quality ingredients. So I turn to my friend Ken Co. over at Southern Pride Gourmet Foods. You can check him out too over at southernpridegourmetfoods.com. Now they have barbecue sauces, spice rubs, hot sauces, and jellies, just to name a few. I got my hands on some of that peach habanero jelly, and I was putting it on everything. I was eating it on my toast in the morning. I also took some of Ken's barbecue sauce, slapped it on some pork, finished it off with some of that habanero jelly, stuck it in the oven, and it was sweet, tangy, spicy deliciousness. Absolutely amazing. And when you buy from Southern Pride Gourmet Foods, you know you're getting a quality product from a quality guy. Ken knows what he's talking about, and he better. He's been doing it right and doing it right for over 50 years. The best part, guys, 
Southern Pride delivers nationwide. That's right, nationwide delivery. Now, he also has amazing gift baskets, and with the holidays coming up, you're definitely going to want to get your hands on those, and definitely be sure you get your hands on some of the beef jerky Ken sells. It is some of the most delectable beef jerky I've ever tasted. I am a beef jerky fanatic. All different kinds of flavors to choose from. You know, you just have to do yourself a favor. Head on over to southernpridegourmetfoods.com. Check it out for yourself. That's right, southernpridegourmetfoods.com, where everything they have is yummy for the tummy. Next up on Speak a Dogcast, it's our Breed of the Week. This week's Breed of the Week is the Shetland Sheepdog. Yes, the Sheltie. Now, they are a small, medium, active, and agile dog weighing in at around 15 to 25 pounds. A member of the herding group, highly intelligent and easy to please, these dogs are world-class competitors in agility and herding trials. But they can also make a great family dog as well. Known for being an affectionate and sensitive dog, they're often highly in tune with the mood of the household. They do like to bark when excited and can be a little bit reserved towards strangers. Now, while these can make excellent qualities in a watchdog, early training and socialization is a must to ensure that they learn to control those behaviors as desired by the owner. Now, Shelties can have a few health issues, few things to be aware of. They can be prone to hip dysplasia, thyroid disease, eye diseases, uh, something called dermo, uh, excuse me, dermatomyositis, which is Sheltie skin syndrome, hence why I'm not a veterinarian, couldn't ever pronounce all those, Von Wilbrand's disease, and epilepsy. So definitely a couple things to take into consideration when it comes to their health. Now, the origin of the Shetland sheepdogs, they were originally bred on the rocky Shetland Islands, the most northern part in the United Kingdom. It's way up there. And Shelties might look a lot like their cousins, the Rough Coat Collie, but the obvious difference, well, it's their size. Now, Shelties were bred to be smaller because they eat less than other larger herding breeds. Now, this is an important factor to consider because of the harsh and cold climate of the Shetland Islands. And, you know, that's where food can be a little bit scarce. So, you know, it actually also explains the diminutive size of the Shetland ponies. If you guys have ever seen those, a little bit smaller of a pony being a little stout and, of course, having that extra hair to keep them well insulated. Uh, Now, nobody knows for sure when the Collies were originally imported from the Scottish mainland and bred down to the Sheltie size, as the island breeders, well, they left no written records. Now, because the islands were so inaccessible, the breed lived in virtual isolation and were nearly unknown to the rest of Britain until the early 20th century. The Sheltie was first recognized by the Kennel Club of England as the Shetland Collie in 1909. However, being pressured from collie fanciers, the breed was forced to change their name soon uh, after that to become the Shetland Sheepdog. Now, the AKC, of course, the American Kennel Club, they registered the first Sheltie in 1911. Popularity began to grow, and of course, we all know that they can make those great family pets. So they continued being a popular dog in the U.S. and even to today. On Speak a Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. The first question today comes from Nate from Palo Alto, California. Now, Nate asks, my dog constantly chews his paws. The doctor says it's allergies, but I think there's a pattern of anxiety that goes with it. Is this possible? So, uh, Nate, I think what you're asking is, is it possible that anxiety and your dog's allergies are related? And that is a 100% absolute. I see it all the time. There's no coincidence. What I discover is it almost can become a chicken or the egg kind of situation, right? Um, If your dog does have an allergy or does have an irritation, they start itching it. And then they almost develop an anxious tick out of it. They can actually develop that biting as a pattern that they go into when they're anxious. Well, then they start itching it even more out of a pattern of anxiety. But then they start itching it so much that it actually itches and they go back to itching it again. And now we have this vicious cycle of, is it the chicken or the egg? Has it become a behavioral pattern? 
is it something medical? So of course, yes, I do always advise, you know, something like that medical. We want to go to a veterinarian first. We want to get their opinion and see if there's something biological happening. Okay. If we can eliminate the biological factors, then yeah, maybe it leads to something uh, behavioral related. But like I said, they usually kind of go hand in hand. I'll see a lot of dogs that are on medications for skin allergies, especially it's always like the skin allergies. Um, And of course that dog has anxiety issues. So I do see it a lot. Exercise, exercise, exercise. That can really go a long way um, to helping your dog come off their anxiety. And again, can alleviate that with some uh, allergy medications as well. Next question. This comes from Eddie in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Eddie says, I live on a little bit of land and I like to let my dogs explore a bit. But sometimes when they come back, it becomes overwhelmingly obvious that they found a skunk. What can I do to rid of the smell? Now, there are a lot of de-skunking shampoos and products out there on the market, and a lot of them do work very well. But here's an easy homemade recipe that'll work for you. You can actually take one quart of 3% hydrogen peroxide, a fourth a cup of baking soda, and one teaspoon of dish soap. Highly recommend using Dawn. That's a great dish soap for using with animals. And you can scrub that nastiness away. Next question. This comes from Sandra in Lakeland, Florida. Sandra asks, I have a rescue dog and we don't know anything about his history or his age. Is there any way to tell the age of the dog definitively? Sandra, uh, short of cutting your dog open and counting his rings, no, there's not. <laughs> no, but in all reality, there, there is no surefire way. A lot of times veterinarians or trainers, behavior specialists, will we'll look at the teeth, of course. Everybody knows that, how gunky their teeth are, how old their teeth look. And, of course, the graying of the muzzle can sometimes be a factor, but, hey, I've met dogs two years old that have gray around the muzzle, and sometimes it's part of their coloration, and it's hard to tell how much of it is their natural color and how much of it is age. So there really isn't a definitive definitive way, but normally um, you can give a range, I would say, of anywhere between two to four years that you'll be probably accurate within that range by looking at the teeth, by looking at the muzzle, energy levels, those kinds of things that can go along with it. But unfortunately, no, there is no definitive way for sure to know without knowing exactly when that dog was born. All right, so what's the answer to that trivia question? What is the largest breed of dog? The answer is the Irish Wolfhound. However, the English Mastiff gives them a run for their money as the English Mastiff is the heaviest breed, Irish Wolfhound the largest breed, but the English Mastiff is going to be the heaviest breed. That's going to wrap things up for the podcast today. Thank you for listening in and a very special thank you to Sam Padula for joining me on the guest spot. If you guys have any questions for the listener Q&A, email me, questions at speakadogcast.com. Find me on Instagram, speakadogcast, Facebook, speakadogcast, or visit our website, speakadogcast.com. Have a happy and safe new year, and don't forget to get out there and walk your dog. Music.